0: Hello everyone, welcome once again to Christ Central Church, and uh, greetings to those participating online, both with our live stream and those who are going to be listening later. My name is Joe Crummy, and I'm going to be speaking today, and as we get started, here's a question for you. So you're going to have to help me so I can hear your answers, but here's the question as we start. What aroma or smell creates the most stirring in you to hunger and thirst for something. Bacon. Oh, I like that one. Are there any Canadians in the house? There we go. Bacon. I love bacon. Oh, you're making me hungry already. Alright, what else? Coffee. 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 Okay, that's gonna be a tie. I was gonna say, does the coffee come first? Yeah, coffee always comes first. Chocolate. Okay, we're we're starting. What else? Orange juice. I'm not going to comment that an engineer made that comment about orange juice. I'm just going to leave it right there. Moving right along. So we got chocolate, coffee. Thank you. We're getting there. Thank you. Bonus points for those who clued into that one. I'm going to ignore the cheese comment because that sometimes does the opposite thing for me. I see a division in the church already over cheese for or against. Any last one? Raisin, raisin. I'm not. E- <laughs> <laughs> Moving right along. <laughs> I'm just making a declaration. In our church, we put chocolate chips in everything, not raisins. Can I just say that's a. Uh, I'm just leaving it right there. Everybody else can't hear the rest of the comments, so we're just going to leave it right there. So here's some other ones I had down. Pizza, does people like, is that a good one sometimes? Okay. How about a barbecue? Come on. I feel like I'm running Family Feud here. Like The top answers are on the board. Um, Popcorn, is that a good one, a good smell? Apple pie. Come on. All right, and we're getting there. How about, like, honestly, you can just smell it, like, I just opened this up over here, and people were already commenting, there's nothing like fresh bread. (sighs) Santiago was like, you're giving some of that, right? And I said, whoever's the highest bidder. (laughs) So put your bets in now. No, that's all right. Fresh bread. Oh, man. Sometimes I'll come home, and Angela will have fresh bread in in the bread maker, and you know what? I didn't even think I was hungry until I smelt the bread, and then guess what? I felt hungry, definitely. Whew. Well, did you know that bread is found all throughout the Bible in both talking about physical ways, like we see right here, but also with some spiritual connotations as well. And I always find it interesting that pretty much anywhere you go, across the world and around the world there's always some form of bread it might look a little bit different and across cultures and also back in history and right to present day it's one of those things that is a constant all the way through and this morning I just want to take a quick run through and look at some of the examples of bread throughout the Bible and bring that right into us hunger and thirsting for the living God so It's going to be a little bit maybe different from our kind of usual message and but we're going to start with this we're going to start with the story of the bible so this is just a quick review we're kind of going through the whole bible but we have to understand god's bible it's god's revelation to us god's revealing and speaking who god is why we're created and the story of the bible as we see right from the book of genesis God in his creation, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Trinity, unity, community, family, fellowship, love. That's who God is. Created us, human beings, in his image, male and female, to reflect his glory and his creation and to be his image bearers. And what do we see in the Bible in Genesis 1 and 2? Is God created the first humans, God dwelt with his creation. Adam and Eve placed in the Garden of Eden paradise, and we see this, that God walked with Adam and Eve. Isn't that incredible to think? Because we sometimes think, God, where are you? And if I could only talk to God, and to think that in the beginning, God walked with his creation and spoke. Makes you kind of wonder if you could do that, what question would you have for God right away? If you could just like, today, you're going to be in the garden, and you're walking with God. And God dwelt with his creation. And it was really, really good. And then we see very quickly on, we're only in chapter 3, so right away there's a train wreck right from the beginning. Satan, who had also been in God's presence, became selfish, wanted to become even greater than God. God cast Satan out of heaven with a third of the angels, and Satan went about, and in his nature of wanting to rob, kill, and destroy, set out to destroy God's creation, tempted Adam and Eve, and Adam and Eve didn't obey God, they didn't believe God, they got selfish, they thought God was holding out on them and they ate of the fruit, the only one that they were not supposed to, even though God had given them paradise and there were consequences for them disobeying God. And the number one consequence is this. There was now separation from God. What happened? They were displaced out of Eden. And from that point on life got hard. And we looked at some of those curses a couple weeks ago, didn't they? There's a curse for The serpent, there's a curse for the female. Curse put on the male. And one of the key things is there was separation from God. So that intimacy of knowing God and being known by God was lost. And the rest of the story of the Bible, especially in the Old Testament, is this. People are lost without God. We're in darkness. And we feel the effects of all of that, even if we can't put words to it. And that's been throughout history, and that's right to present day. And we see this God's redeeming story of how God wants to be and to dwell with his people. And God picked a guy named Abram who didn't deserve it. God picked, it. and God, God said to Abraham, Hey, I'm going to make you a father of many nations, and all the nations in the world are going to be blessed through you, all the people groups. And Abraham said, I don't know how you're doing, but I'm going to believe because God, you said it. And we see this story of Abram who had no kids, God miraculously providing, and through that nation, and then we pick up the story, and we see Moses, and we had all the way through, we had Joseph, remember, they were in Egypt, and they were there for 400 years in slavery, and they're crying out to God, and God raises up Moses to bring my people out, and what does he say? I want to bring my people out of slavery into a place where they can worship me. And he says, I want to give you a promised land. What's so important about the promised land? yes, it's a land flowing with milk and honey, but what's the most important thing? I'm going to be with my people. I'm going to dwell with my people. And we see this whole story of Moses and how God presents himself, and this is amazing, the God of the universe presents himself in a box, the Ark of the Covenant. And if you read the Old Testament, and I've just been going through it, I told you, I'm in that we're here at the end of February, so I started January 1st reading from Genesis through and sometimes it, it's, there's a lot of repetition. You read Exodus and then you're like Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy kind of going like, I've read this before. Because God gives specific plans to Moses about I want you to build an ark and it's going to be this many cubits long and this wide. it's going to be overlaid with gold. I want you to pick this type of wood and I want you to have a lamp stand. And I want you to have a table and I want you to have curtains and courtyards and it's... And then Moses does it and then Moses inspects it. And here's an interesting thing that a lot of times, and again, to be honest, I kind of forgot about it until I'm reading it again, but then it seems to be everywhere. We have this incredible instructions from God about how there's supposed to be Bread on the table in that tent of meeting, in that tabernacle. Now, how many of you remembered that? Marley back there, I'm seeing. Don't worry, I forgot about it as well. Thank you, Jody. And this is what, just quickly, this is what we read. Exodus 39, 36. Moses inspects the tabernacle where God's dwelling, and we read this. And the table, and he's inspecting the table and all its articles and the bread of the presence. Exodus 40, 23, And Moses set out the bread on the table before the Lord, as the Lord commanded him. Leviticus 24, 8, Instructions were given regarding the oil and incense and bread before the Lord. Quote, This bread is to be set out before the Lord regularly, Sabbath after Sabbath, on behalf of the Israelites as a lasting covenant. Numbers 4, 7, over the table of the presence, they are to spread out a blue cloth and put on it, plates and dishes and bowls and the jars for drink offerings. The bread that is continually there is to remain on it. The bread of God's presence. Kind of gets lost in there, but isn't that an interesting thing? Why is that important? Because we're going to highlight some things that came later in the Bible that again, we don't always connect the dots of what God's doing. And then we see on a very practical way, God brings Moses and the people out of Egypt, and they're in this in-between before they get into the promised land, and what happens when they're in the desert? Oh, God, why did you bring it out of Egypt? It was so much better back then. Really? Really? Because we had something to eat back there, but here you've brought us into the desert to die. And what does God provide every day, except for the Sabbath, because he provided enough on the day before, for like 40 years, what did God provide in the desert? He provided manna, bread from heaven. Folks, that's an incredible miracle. And I love what Kayla said, you know, This doesn't get old, eh? Like, this doesn't get old here in this again. This doesn't get old. God provided physically for His people. Manna from heaven. Every day, they went out, and it's grace. They didn't do anything to deserve it. They didn't do anything to make it happen. God provided it. They went out. They gathered enough for that day. Incredible. Now, here's an interesting thing regarding that manna. Deuteronomy 8.3. And again, I read this. This was in my reading this week. So this is why it's important to read God's Word from end to end, because God speaks through His Word, even through Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, because it's God's Word. Deuteronomy 8.3, this is what we read. God humbled you, he's speaking to the people of God, God humbled you, causing you to hunger, and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your forefathers had known, to teach that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Does that sound familiar? Who quoted that later on years ago? Jesus, when he was tempted in the desert. Isn't it interesting? God saying, I humbled you, people of Israel, causing you to hunger, and then feeding you with manna to teach that men and women do not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Do you see this connection between, like, this word of God associated with food, bread, life, manna, God's provision, and God's provision of His word to give spiritual life? And then we keep going, and I'm skipping over a lot. We get to Isaiah 55, and again, there's these promises, redemption, Days coming, they had the promised land, they got it in the promised land, but that wasn't really enough because their hearts weren't really changed and they were up and down and they followed God, and they didn't follow God and then they are taken to captivity and we have these promises that a Savior's coming, someone who's going to come and make things right and we have these different things that pop up all throughout the Old Testament that just kind of sometimes seem to come from nowhere and this one from Isaiah 55 and Isaiah says this, come all you who are thirsty, come to the waters, you have no money, come buy and eat. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me and eat what is good and your soul will delight in the richest fare. And he says a few verses later, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the evil man his thoughts. Let him turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on them and to our God for God will freely pardon. Wow. Isaiah is saying, if you're thirsty and you're hungry, come come to God. Turn to God, seek the Lord while he may be found. Turn from your wicked ways, turn from your own way because our God is a God who saves. Our God is a God who freely pardons. Pointing to Jesus. Seek the Lord. And then we have New Testament. I'm skipping ahead. We have Jesus, Son of God, born, Bethlehem, manger, grew up, started ministry at age 30. And we have Jesus and his disciples, and they're asking him, Jesus, would you teach us how to pray? And he teaches them how to pray. And what's one of the key verses in Matthew 6, 11, Jesus said, this is how you pray. Da-da-da. Give us today our daily bread. Does he mean physical or spiritual? I'm going to go with that answer right there. It wasn't a trick question. I think he's talking both. God, would you give us today our daily bread? Would you give us our food that we need substance to live on planet Earth? But God, much more than that, what do we want? We want to live on every word that comes from the mouth of God. We're not going to rely on physical bread alone. And then we get to John 6, and we read this about how Jesus feeds the 5,000. And he's there teaching, and it's probably more than 5,000. And we don't have time to read the whole thing, but it's such an interesting thing. And this is, I never connected these two things before. If we read in John 6, Jesus says to Philip, he's say, like, he asks the question, Where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? So you got 5,000 people there. He says to Philip, Hey, what day of the week are we? Are convenience stores open? Like, you know, where are we going to get food? Where are we going to get bread? Is this a familiar phrase? John, early part of chapter 6, he says this. He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Now, I find that really interesting. Deuteronomy 8.3, God says to his people, I made you hungry because I was testing you. Jesus is saying to Philip, Hey, Philip, we got, you know, five to eight thousand people here, give or take a few. Where are we going to find bread for everybody? And he said this to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. And Philip said, Jesus, like, even if we had eight months' wages, we wouldn't have enough money to buy bread for these people. And yet Andrew comes and he says, Well, this guy has five loaves. Of bread and two fishes, and Jesus takes it and he thanks God, he breaks it, he sends it, and there's more left over. Now Jesus gets their attention, and this is where we're going to pick up the story. Jesus gets their attention and they begin to ask him. So let's pick it up. I think we have this scripture up beginning at John six twenty-eight. And we read this. Then they asked him, What must we do to do the works God requires? So in their culture, very much do, 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 works-based. And Jesus answered, incredible answer, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. So they asked him, what sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? Or what will you do? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. That's the story we just were talking about. And Jesus said to them, "'Very truly I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir,' they said, "'always give us this bread.' Then Jesus declared, "'I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty.'" I'm sorry, I'm just going to read a couple more verses, which I don't think are up there. At the end of the chapter, Jesus continues. He says, very truly, I tell you, the one who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life, he says it again. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. Whew! That is either a completely true statement for everyone or it's completely false. There's no in-between. Do you hear what Jesus is saying? Jesus is saying, I'm the bread of life who's come down from heaven. And your work is to do this. You're to believe me. And if you believe me, you're never going to go hungry spiritually again and you're going to have eternal life. Jesus answered, let me say it again, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. He or she who comes to me will never grow hungry, and he or she who believes in me will never be thirsty. Folks, we've been doing this whole series on Behold Jesus. Behold Jesus, the bread of life. It applies to every culture, every people group, every time from Jesus' time right on through to today. Jesus is saying, I'm the bread of life. I am the presence of God. I am God with us. Emmanuel, God with us. God in bodily form is tabernacle. He's with us. He's dwelling with us. And Jesus saying, I'm the bread of life. If you're hungry, and let me just read off some things that we get hungry for. Jesus says, if you're hungry for these things and you believe in me, I will satisfy. How's this? Are you hungry for real identity? There's something, how God's made us, that's been lost, that we just crave identity. We crave some, something in us just craves that someone will label us in a good way that we can feel good about ourselves. And of course, we know in our world that's really tricky with social media, because when you put something out there to get your likes, and if anyone disagrees with you, it's a crushing thing. Or maybe we don't get as many likes as we thought we should. Or more people got more likes than what... Whew. We've talked about it. Our identity based on anything external. That's a crushing thing. But Jesus is saying, He's the bread of life. He's the one who gives you identity. How many people ever, you ever, ever desire to feel loved? Accepted. Safe. Secure. Whole. Anyone? Mm significance. You want your life to count for something? You want your life to be important? Jesus is saying, I'm the bread of life. I'm the one who satisfies all of these things. No wonder they're saying, Jesus, give me that bread continually. It's like the woman at the well. Jesus, if we had gone on earlier, Mark spoke about living water last week so i picked the bread of life for this week because he covered the living water same thing the woman at the well just two chapters earlier in john 4 she's at the well hard work trying to get physical water and jesus says i'm living water if you drink from me you'll never thirst again she's like give me this water Mm. jesus saying i'm the bread of life i'm the living water if you're looking for an experience I just want to live life to the full. I want to experience life. Jesus is saying, taste me. Encounter me. I'm the one who satisfies. And Jesus goes beyond even this physical world, and he says, if you believe in me and are satisfied in me, I give you eternal life. You're going to live with me forever in paradise. And you say, what do I have to do? What do I have to do? What do I have to do to get this? Believe in the one whom God has sent. What do we mean by believe? We're saying we're putting our trust, we're accepting who Jesus says he is, we're receiving what he wants to give us. And folks, it's not just a belief, like factual belief, which is true, but it's a relationship. So, I could say this morning, I factually can give you a lot of facts about Angela Crummy. I can go on her social profile and I can tell you lots of different things about Angela Crummy. And I could say, and sometimes that's what we think about Jesus. Well, Jesus was born oh, about 2,000 years ago ish. You no, know, Jesus said this and Jesus claimed that and people say this about Jesus and different things. It's not just believe as in like acknowledge that Angela Crummy exists. It's a relationship. So 26 years of marriage, five years of knowing Angela before that, knowing her now for almost 32 years. I can give you lots of facts, but I know Angela Crummy. That's what we're talking about. Believing, trusting. And the Bible says this, when we sort of do that for the first time, when we're saying, Jesus, I'm all in, that you're the bread of life, and it's not my works, it's not my efforts, it's like a gift, it's like that manna from heaven, like those guys and gals just woke up every morning and it was there, God provided. And when we say, Jesus, I believe that you're the provision, you're the bread of life, that you satisfy all these things, the Bible talks about salvation, that we're believing the one whom God has sent for eternal life and for a relationship with God. That we're turning from our own ways. We're putting our faith and our trust in Jesus, that Jesus, I want to start this relationship with you, believing that you are actually drawing me. And I'm hungry, and I'm thirsty. And sometimes we don't even know we're hungry and thirsty. (sighs) And sometimes people come to a meeting like today and you don't even know you need God. But sometimes in our worship time, you're like, what are all these people even singing about? It's kind of crazy. They got their hands in the air and all that. But somehow, sometimes, guess what it starts to do? It starts to go, hmm, I'm getting a bit hungry. Might not put it in those terms. Or I see something that's going on I see this person go through a difficult time, but they seem to have peace that defies understanding. I'm starting to get hungry. I'm starting to get stirred. I didn't even know. And Jesus is saying, I am the bread of life. Come to me. Believe me. Trust me in all that I've done. And for those of us who have done that, that's just the starting point, that's not the end daily we're to come to Jesus as the bread of life give us today our daily bread so it's not just a one-off thing I did something 20 some years ago we want to be with Jesus we want to become like Jesus we want to obey Jesus so here's the thing I want to try to convey just in the last couple of minutes is for those of us who have tasted Jesus, and we've tasted and seen that Jesus is good, here's what I kind of just want to share on my heart. It's a bit like eating this bread and saying to very hungry and desperate people, come, taste, and see. I know you're going to be satisfied. I know this is going to do you good. However, we can't force you to do anything or to believe anything. All we can say is, and so last Sunday, we're worshiping God, and I know, because I was helping lead the meeting, and trust me, one of the hardest things on life is to try to lead a meeting like ours, because you're trying to discern what the Spirit's doing, and so last week, we went longer in our worship time. You're like, well, I got babies screaming. How's that going to work? I got kids are supposed to be doing this, and Mark's going to be preaching, so I don't want to take away from his time, and you got all these things going through, and yet we're just like, you know what? I think God just wants us to keep pressing in to him. And folks, I was a complete mess. I was bawling my face off. I said to Mark, tag, you can end it because I'm undone. Because in the presence of the living God, we were encountering God. And folks, I was weeping. And here's what I was weeping for. I was weeping because in my heart, I just want all of you to experience Jesus in a way similar to what I've experienced Jesus, and I fail sometimes to try to articulate, communicate, preach, pray, demonstrate that Jesus is the bread of life, and only if you would just taste of him. That Jesus satisfies significance, hunger, identity, acceptance, peace. You go through the list. Hardship, trial, tribulation, rejection, forsaken. Jesus is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. And somehow in God's presence there's just a hunger in me to want all of you to experience that. Now here's one thing I must say. That happens together, and that happens privately as well. So what I don't want you to think is, as much as I'm saying it's incredible when we gather together, and it is, and I want us to gather together, and as incredible it is to experience God and his manifest presence when we're together, which it is, in which we want, in which we want our hunger to grow, Me sitting in my living room by myself reading Leviticus and saying, God, this is your word, and I want to meet and encounter, and today would you give me my daily bread? And encountering Jesus there, we need both. So that whole formation series we did was saying we need to put some habits in our life that aren't going to change us, but they're going to help us encounter Jesus. And so my plea to you this morning is I pray and I would love for you to encounter Jesus when you're on your own, when you're at your life group, when you're at a prayer meeting, when you're at us, and at your workplace and in your family and when you're playing sports and when every, no matter where you go, that the bread of God's presence is with you. And so last year, Because, folks, can I just say, what I'm talking about, it's two ends of a spectrum. It's we are to persevere, and we want to live in the overflow. So let me just flesh that out for a minute. Guess what? During COVID, when we had to meet here 50 people, and we were all spread out, and you couldn't sing, that was hard. That was really hard. Because I'll I'll be honest, in my feelings, I didn't feel much of God. It was hard. And you get kind of mad because we couldn't, and you're like, it was better in the old days, and it was hard. But you know what we did? We persevered. Because we're to meet together whether we feel like it or not. God's worthy of our praise whether we feel like it. Even if I don't see you moving, you're at work. Even when I don't feel it, You're at work and you're worthy and I'm going to bring you a sacrifice of praise and we're going to meet together even when it's hard and even though I don't feel anything and I'm looking at this very dirty ceiling going, I wish we could paint it at least black but it costs too much money and I'm getting distracted because God, I don't feel you. Where are you? God, it was so much better back then. God, this is terrible. He's the bread of life. And I wonder if God was testing me, testing us through some of these things to say, are you going to worship me even when you don't feel it? Are you going to worship me even when you don't see anyone healed, saved, at it, as much as we're calling out for that? So folks, we persevere because Jesus is worth it. And he's the bread of life even when we don't feel it. Now, thankfully, last Sunday and even this morning, the other extreme is the overflow. There's the manifest, tangible presence of God that accelerates everything. Now, trust me, we want that. But you can't forget the perseverance when we don't have that. We need both. And folks, we're calling out for the manifest presence of God. We're calling out that our friends bring our friends who don't know Jesus to encounter Jesus, that he is the bread of life. And there's seasons, and we don't fully understand them. Jesus said, the spirit blows like the wind. Wherever he goes, we don't know. Our part, we're knocking, we're asking, and we're seeking. And our prayer has pretty much been, Lord, make us more hungry for you. God, make us more hungry for you. I don't even know how not hungry I am, but Lord, help me to hunger for you. Help me to hunger for you. Help me to desire you. Lord, make us a hungry church for you. Because Lord, we're going to persevere, but Lord, we really want to live in the abundance. We want to live in the overflow, that there's an acceleration. And what have we seen in the last few weeks in the States and different places? It's just an acceleration of God's Spirit moving. So we want to be faithful and persevere. Even when we don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. But God, we want to live in the overflow. Like, God, I don't understand it. I got healed. I didn't even get I didn't even pray for it. I didn't, I just well, I didn't even know God did it. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? That doesn't get old. We want to live in the overflow. Jesus is the bread of life. And this morning, you might taste him for the first time and believe in him for the first time. And for many of us, it's going to be the thousandth, millionth, billionth time. Folks, smelling fresh bread doesn't get old. (laughs) Oh, I smelled it last week. You know, I smelled it 20 years ago. Should have done this on potluck Sunday so that we could eat right away. Are you getting hungry? Are you getting thirsty? santiagos he's jumping over the chair to come and get it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. God, would you give us a hunger for you that you're our daily bread? And this is a whole other message so we'll, I'll just end it here but I'll just read it out. What have we been saying in the whole behold? When we behold Jesus and we know who Jesus is, what do we say? We become like Jesus. We get his identity and we become. So guess what, folks? We become the aroma of Christ everywhere we go. And Paul said this in 2 Corinthians. We'll just end. two fourteen 14 to 16. I think we have this one up here. Paul says, but thanks be to God who always leads us as captives in Christ's triumphal procession and uses us to do what? To spread the aroma of the knowledge of him everywhere, speaking of Jesus. For we are to God, isn't this incredible? This is our identity, folks. This is who we are as followers of Jesus. For we are to God the pleasing aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing, to the one where the aroma that brings death, to the other an aroma that brings life. And who is equal to such a task folks we bring the presence of jesus everywhere we go we are the aroma of christ and to some we are the smell of death have you had that experience where you bring a christian perspective you bring something and it's not welcomed and it's hard and it's it's hard to face rejection it's hard to not be liked it's hard But we're the aroma of Christ, and to some we're the smell of, we're the stench of death. And that's hard, and Paul says, who's equal to such a task? Like, that's hard. Well, that's why we need the Holy Spirit, and we need each other. But, to some, we're the smell, we're the aroma of life. And if you're a Christian here this morning, you probably have people that have been brought into your life by God, that were the aroma of life that helped you find good bread in Jesus Christ. They were the aroma of life. We just don't know everywhere we go which one we're going to be. That's why we need to keep beholding Jesus. We need to keep feeding on Him. We need His Holy Spirit, and we need the encouragement of one another for us to be the aroma of Christ everywhere we go. Because to some, we're going to be the smell of death, and to others, we're going to be the aroma of Christ. So folks, as we end, are we hungry for God? And you know what? Mark said it last week. You can be honest and say, no, I'm not. you got to be honest. You can't fake it. But if you're not hungry, God, can I just ask you to pray this dangerous prayer? God, would you make me hungry for you? Question, is Jesus the bread of life to you? Have you tasted it? and seeing that Jesus is the bread that satisfies. And you can do that today. You can believe, not just head knowledge, but you can trust and begin that relationship. You can be with Jesus every day. You can become more like him. And we want to do that personally, together. We want to persevere, and we want it to be accelerated. And as we put our faith and hope in Jesus and as His Holy Spirit lives in us, Christ in us, the hope of glory, we are the aroma of Christ. I'm going to ask the worship team to come. And we're going to take a few minutes just to focus on Jesus and to pray some of those prayers, asking God to make us hungry. If we're hungry for Him, asking that God would come and fill and satisfy. So if you're able, why don't you stand? Santiago. Why don't you come? Can you come? Please? This is a good demonstration. Come right in the light so that we can all see you. All right? My good friend, what would you like? Take take as much as you want. There we go. Thank you. How complicated was that? He's coming, he's receiving, he's sharing, he's enjoying. The physical speaks of the spiritual. So Jesus, we just come to you now. You're good. You're the bread of life. And Jesus, I know we all come from different backgrounds, different stages, different journeys. Lord, I pray on the spectrum maybe people would encounter and taste you for the first time today as you invite them. Lord, I pray. Lord, thank you for that word through Caleb. Lord, it's not, this doesn't get old. We're coming to you for the millionth time. Lord, that we've, we're, we're sniffing something like, oh, I didn't even know I was hungry. God, would you give us a hunger and a thirst for you that can only be satisfied in Jesus? Lord, we want to persevere. Lord, you've tested us, Lord. It's been hard. But God, we've sought to persevere. We've sought to keep worshiping you even when we don't feel you. we sought to keep meeting with you in the privacy of our own homes and our own prayer closets even when it feels like our prayers aren't being answered or even heard. God, we've persevered. But God, we'd love to live in the overflow. God, we'd love some of us have lived in the overflow and God, we just ask. Lord, we want our friends to live in the overflow. God, we want people to taste and see that you are good. Lord, we want people to build their lives on you. God, we want people to experience your love and forgiveness and your joy. God, we want people to experience change, being broken, and being free to love you and know you and worship you. God, that's what we want. Lord, we can't force on anybody. Lord, we can't manipulated earth, and God, we ask you, God. Lord, you can save, you can redeem, you can restore, you can heal. God, we want that for our friends. Lord, I want that for every person here this morning. God, Holy Spirit, come and do what only you can do. God, we pray in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord.